celebrate the 28th Sunday in Ordinary Time. And there were some striking similarities between our first reading and our gospel. Uh, They were, of course, talking about lepers. And the lepers that they were really featuring, well, one was, well, they were both Gentiles. One was a general, a Gentile general. And the other was a Samaritan, one of the hated ones, you know. And, And yet these kind of outsiders were the only ones to come back and give thanks to the Lord. In that first reading from Second Kings, we hear about Naaman. Of course, the story is, you know, we've, we've heard this before, you know, that Naaman, this general, and he had leprosy, and, you know, what's he going to do? And his servant girl said, oh, yeah, Elisha, could, he, could, he could cure you in, in Israel, and so he made arrangements with the king, and the king said, okay, go, you know. And so he went to the king of Israel and said, hey, I'm here to be cured. And the king of Israel tore his garments and said, you're trying to trap me. You're trying to ensnare me in some scheme, and uh, not so much. But Elisha caught wind of it, and he came to, to Naaman and said, go wash in the Jordan seven times. And Naaman well, was put up. I can wash in my own river seven times. Why do I have to come to the Jordan to wash seven times? And he was really mad. And, and his servants finally convinced him, you know, you're here anyway. What's it going to cost you? If he'd asked you to go climb a mountain or some heroic thing, you'd have done that without question. But this is just a simple thing. And so he did. You know, the first time and the second time, and I'm sure he was thinking, this ain't going to work. But he kept at it, you know, and did the And on that seventh time, sure enough, cleansed of the leprosy. And he came back to Elisha, and he was had this whole mound of gifts he was going to give him, you know, riches. And Elisha said, no, no, this, this isn't about anything I've done. It's the Lord. You know, it's, it's the Lord who did this for you. And so Naaman says, okay, then give me two loads of dirt to take back, because there is no Lord but your Lord that I will worship from this day forward. And so kind of astounding story. There, there were many, many Jews who had leprosy, but only Naaman was the one who was cured. You know, you wonder, why is that? Talks about the universality of God. Everybody is blessed by God, not just Jews and not just Christians, but everybody. Even, you know, foreign generals, they're blessed. In the gospel, a little different story. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, and he spies these. Well, actually, he didn't see them right away, but they called out to him. Jesus, Lord, Master, have pity on us. Now, the one thing that Jesus did, which most people wouldn't really notice, but he saw them. Now, the reason I bring that up is that I think anytime we're around people who have some malady, and we have a tendency to avert our eyes from them, whether they're deaf or in a wheelchair or, you know, whatever. It's like, oh, gosh, I don't want to see this, this suffering. But Jesus, boom, he looked right at him. And then he didn't make any proclamation other than, go show yourselves to the priests. And they took off. And on their way, they were all cleansed. Now, the story gets a little fuzzy there because 
Only one came back. And of course, we know this was the Samaritan, said so in the gospel. And he fell at the feet of Jesus, thanked him. And Jesus questions, where's the other nine? Or ten healed? Where, where are they? No, we don't know, you know, if they continued on to be seen by the priests and got the okie-dokie that they're healed. We don't know. But I guess we have to explore a little bit about leprosy and what that meant to the people of Jesus' time. I mean, it was almost worse than a death sentence because everything, everything was taken away from them. And when once they were judged leprous, they couldn't associate with people. They had to scream out, unclean, unclean, when people were coming toward them. And so they had to ward anybody off. And so they couldn't be with their families, our friends. They couldn't carry on any kind of commerce because they couldn't enter, have any interchange with people because they were afraid of contagion. Now, interestingly enough, we don't know... It seemed like any skin disease, you know, was considered leprosy. So it might have been, uh, I don't know, eczema, psoriasis, maybe a bad case of acne. Who knows, you know. But if it was a skin disease, oh, leprous, you know, it's contagious. Wow. But what that meant when they were cured. Once they were cast away like that. You know, I often think, and of course, it's prison. I, I have a good view of this because... Those guys really are locked away, you know, and they are separated from all the humanity. Nobody's going to know who they are, where they are, what they're doing. And they're locked away. But these people didn't do anything wrong other than the fact they had some kind of skin ailment. And suddenly their whole lives were wasted. Nothing, nothing that they knew was something they could do anymore. They couldn't. They were... Beggars. It's the only way they could make any money at all. So I'm guessing that perhaps these other nine, after they showed themselves to the priest and the priest said, you're, you're good to go, they beelined it to their families and to their homes and their friends. I'm back, I'm back, I'm clean, I'm clean. But they didn't think about who made them clean. Jesus. It was Jesus. Just the Samaritan. Perhaps it was because the Samaritan never did go to the priest. Never went that far because he knew he was clean. He knew he had been changed. But the other, well, and of course, we don't know their story. It's all conjecture. But the reality is only one came back to give thanks. Now, in our lives, we think, oh, that's, that's pretty bad. You know, they, they should have all come back. Well, certainly they should have. But sometimes we're caught in situations where, well, all of a sudden we work and work and work trying to get something accomplished. Maybe it's a new job or maybe it's, you know, a, a big project you're working on and everything goes successfully. And we take all the accolades, oh, that's great, yeah, oh, good job, whatever. But do we come back to the Lord and say thank you? Do we give that thanks to God, our maker, you know, the source of all goodness in life? Do we come back and say, thank you, Lord? You know, the birth of a child, thank you, Lord. The healing after a disease, thank you, Lord. For just being able to breathe, to see, to taste, 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. These are things that I think all too often we just take it for granted. And it shouldn't be taken for granted. Our freedom. Thank you, Lord. It's about those things that are very common. You know, ordinary things that when we take them for granted, we don't see the beauty of it all and how we really need to give great thanks to our Lord and Savior. Today, as we come to the altar to receive the body and blood of Christ, we might pay more attention to the ordinary things that we do and maybe some extraordinary things that maybe we don't do, like helping others, not big heroic ways, but little things, opening doors or giving thanks or just giving them an attaboy now and then. These are the things that Jesus wants us to do, to be a reflection of his love in this life. As we come to Holy Communion, we receive the sanctifying grace which enables us to do the extraordinary, ordinary things. Let's give thanks for that today. I believe in one God, Father, Father Almighty, Almighty, maker of heaven and earth.